Hello, and you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. My name is Scott. I hope all of you are doing well. Thank you for listening to my last episode about Rasputin. Uh, this episode is going to be about another historical figure, George Washington, of the, the first president of the United States of America. All right, so this book in particular is called Washington, A Life. It's by one of my favorite authors, Ron Chernow. Excellent, excellent author. Um, he has written many biographies of other famous people before, um, as a result, I find myself drawn to his work because it's so informative and defining of that person's life. Um, anyway, this book was one of the latest to come out by Ron Chernow. How we recommend it. Saw it in a bookstore, decided to pick it up recently, and now we're going to talk about it. So the way I kind of look at George Washington's life is it's going to be primarily divided into three parts, which makes it three podcasts for this narrative. The first part is going to be Washington's younger life, primarily where he was born, what he was doing, how he kind of got his start. The second is going to cover hopefully a little bit more of his involvement with the military and primarily how he became head of the Continental Army in the United States. And eventually the last sort of section will lead how he became president and what he did to retire. Um, so we're going to touch base a little bit on all those things, but this is sort of my loosely defined first episode where I'm going to talk about George Washington's you know, beginning life. So George Washington was born in rural Virginia. Uh, remember, this is when Virginia, as well as many other the early United States, was part of the British colonies. And as a result of that, um, their loyalty remained to the crown at this time and when he was born. Washington grew up in a wealthy household, but the wealth was primarily directed towards his brothers who were older. Unfortunately, these brothers died young, as well as his father. Uh, no man in a Washington household made it past 50 years of age, primarily because of different reasons, such as infectious diseases, um, drownings, etc. So as a result of this, Washington sort of became the unofficial uh, beneficiary of uh, you know, his estate, you know, which was called Mount Vernon. So Mount Vernon is, and what he inherited was a lot of land. And as a result of this land, he eventually decided to become a farmer. But at the time when all this was going down, he was very land rich, but very cash poor. You see, Washington had more wealth in titles and lands than he did actually have cash, uh, which will come into play, of course, later on. Um, so Washington was not as well educated as his brothers. As a result of this, he ended up forging his own sort of destiny. This is one of the reasons why he decided to join the military, as he did not have a formal education where he felt like he could go off to college or find a better form or career path. Uh, but Washington stuck to the army very well and enjoyed it very much. So his early campaigns and his early training had a very profound shape on who he was as a person. Um, so the, this is, of course, when, once he joins the military, he realizes that the British military is very discriminatory against the colonialists. Uh, Washington fought for the benefit of his Virginia militia, uh, but overall, it turns out that you know, being in a poor colony halfway across the world is not a good way to fight for benefits for your people and your background. As a result... Washington's animosity towards the British Empire started to grow once he joined the military and once he realized that he was often looked down to for being part of a Virginia regiment. The colonialists were overcharged for most of their goods, 
and had very little protection from the Native Americans and French. All right, so this one requires a little bit of a backstory. You see, the English, like I said, have these colonies in North America. The Spanish, the French, and as well as Native Americans are also currently living in North America near these colonies. So the main thing you need to know is that France and England were in a war. We call it the um, you know, French-Indian War, but it's more commonly referred to as the Seven Years' War in Europe. So what, what this was was part of a greater conflict in which England and France were duking it out with each other again. France basically controlled the north, what is now modern-day Canada. So places like Montreal, as you can tell, were heavily influenced by the French. It was here and many other bases in which the French decided to try to take up land and grab it from the English colonies, places such as the Ohio Valley, which would lead to our first conflict with Washington later. But primarily, what you need to know about this is that the English did not really care about the colonialists, another grievance that many people had against England. Um, Mainly, the people were overcharged for overpriced goods and luxury items. For instance, if you were into fashion, you would often receive items that were no longer fashionable at a hiked-up rate so people could make money off of you. So oftentimes, the English citizens who were living in the American colonies often received very little protection other than what they had. And as a result, their grievances against the empire grew. And this is, of course, one of the main reasons why the United States eventually separated from Great Britain, primarily because they needed to forge their own destiny. But, I mean, can you blame them if the French and the Native Americans, or different groups of Native Americans, I should say, were attacking them, they would need someone to defend themselves, even if it's, a, even if it's themselves. Okay, so, number five. Washington's first military engagements were losses in the French-Indian War. It was, like I said, a smaller part of the Seven Years' War, and this particular engagement was in the Ohio Valley. Why this is important is because the Ohio Valley at this time is considered the frontier. The race to collect land and resources is on for all European powers, not only to mention the fact that Native Americans or different tribes live there. Washington was trying to navigate how to you know, defend his British subjects, or rather, as I should say, he was put in charge of a regiment and was tasked with defending the Ohio Valley. Now, it didn't turn out that way initially. Initially, it was the English were going to send different people over, and the English people who had command over Washington were in charge, and Washington was subject to whatever rules they decided. Washington explained that Native Americans and French were beginning to turn to guerrilla warfare. As a result of this, uh, the English old European warfare style of lining in columns would eventually be considered obsolete. Again, Washington warned them. He explicitly stated this. Uh, but again, the higher ups in command did not listen to Washington. And as a result, Washington suffered, suffered many of his first losses in battle. Um, many people died, of course. But what's a miracle is that Washington lived through all the danger and all the action that happened and occurred during this war. Native Americans began to talk about him as, as if this person was destined for greater things. When bullets would whiz by him and arrows, nothing seemed to hit its mark, and Washington seemed to be destined to be the luckiest man alive. All right, so our next topic, our next uh, number six here, 
which George Washington was also known for having an affair with one of his closest benefactors, um, Sally Fairfax. All right, so this also requires a little backstory. Washington, as a young man, is, is not married at this point in time, and it is decided that he is going to pursue the love of his life, Sally Fairfax, who lives in, of course, Virginia as well. One of his benefactors, meaning people who help Washington advance in his career, is Mr. Fairfax. But Mr. Fairfax is always away and on leave. And as a result, Washington and Sally become closer together and write about their feelings. It's never been shown with definitive proof if they really loved each other. But remember, Sally was a married woman, and this is colonial times. So to be seen together would be considered a scandal for both of their careers. As a result, they decided to amicably separate. But it has never been proven for fact if they actually did consummate their love for each other or if they actually did commit an affair or whether it was all just talk. Nobody really knows. Either way, what is known for certain is that between the letters Washington sent to Sally and Sally sent to Washington is that there were feelings for each other. And that Washington, you know, initially wanted this relationship to happen, but his sound brain and reason took control of his heart, and he was able to stop the craziness before it got worse. All right. So what do I mean by that? Well, Washington eventually, re, you know, I should say remarried. Washington eventually married a Martha, who eventually, you know, like I said, became his wife. And Martha Washington was the perfect person to be for George Washington. If George had married Sally, it would be a completely different type of history that we can even imagine. So Martha had a very big impact on George Washington. All right, number seven. Like I said, George Washington, George Washington eventually married Martha. Their marriage did not produce any children, but this is one of the reasons why he would be selected for president. He could not pass on his title or his estate. So again, for clarification, George Washington did not have any living children with Martha. They had stepchildren together. As a result, because of this, George Washington was considered the perfect candidate for being the first president of the United States later down the line. This is primarily because in old history, primarily in many, many you know, kingdoms and going back as far as you can go, even in, even in modern times, essentially, having a son or having a, a daughter, you know, this is how your wealth was passed down. And if Washington did not have a son or daughter to pass down, then his title ended with him. This is what made him to be the first candidate of the United States because being president could not be passed down to another person. And so that is a, a very important factor. Later, him and Marcia did not produce any children. Okay. Number eight, George Washington owned slaves and indentured servants. He often would be considered tough but fair. He relentlessly pursued anyone who escaped. Of course, being one of the founding fathers, Washington did condone slavery but also had slaves. This is what made him such a complicated figure in history. You know, the idea of writing the Declaration of Independence and saying that all men are created equal when in fact they are not. Washington, though, considered it to be part of a system that would hopefully be phased out. Of course, we know this was not the case, and it would eventually lead to the American Civil War in the 1860s. So, 
as a result, though, of the current system in the 1700s when Washington was around, was that he pursued both African slaves to be brought over and, of course, used on his estate, Mount Vernon, as well as uh, people who were considered indentured servants. Indentured servants, for those of you who don't know, would be people who were uh, in debt because of maybe they owed money and ended up having to pay off their servitude by use of physical labor. Um, these people were also pursued relentlessly for not doing their jobs. They were also attacked, although they, you could argue that because they were potentially white that they had things better, of course, than people of African descent who were brought over in slave ships. Of course, indentured servants' tenure ended, and once their tenure ended, they were free to go. Of course, this was not the story with Africans. And, of course, people who were slaves at that time. So, most importantly, however you would like to see it, Washington was tough, but tried to be as fair as possible on his estate and took an active part in disciplining as well as uh, you know, trying to make the lives better of people who he cared about. His slaves did have freedom of movement. They were allowed to marry other slaves. They were allowed to start families. They were allowed freedom to move in town. Uh, that he you know, was living in, and as a result of this, uh, you, you could say Washington treated his slaves fairly better than most people ever treated theirs at the same time. However, they were still slaves, and it's still important to note that the first president of the United States had slaves just like many of the others did, unfortunately. All right, next. Um, so, number nine. George Washington, along with many other colonists, celebrated a king and queen's birthday. What should be fairly obvious is that before the American Revolution is that the British and the Americans thought of themselves as part of the same empire. And if you were American, you were likely to still celebrate the king's and queen's birthday. So Washington, of course, is not unlike anyone else and celebrated a king's and queen's birthday. I just thought that was an interesting fact that you can't picture this person who eventually would be the first president as celebrating anything British, but he did. Okay, number 10. George Washington learned military tactics from the Native Americans. Again, this would lead him to see how effective guerrilla warfare was against European warfare. Part of the early you know, wars that Washington was involved in, the French-Indian Wars, sort of explained to Washington, gave him a trial run to see how the British reacted to guerrilla-style warfare. When he saw that the British were not adapt adapting to this, it eventually led to you know, Washington's ideas that guerrilla warfare could be an effective form of combat. He would, of course, employ this during the American Revolution. Okay, next. Number 11. George Washington had superhuman strength, but often suffered from physical ailments. So, when I say superhuman strength, Washington was buff. Uh, he had unusual measurements, and he was very active on his estate, and often would contribute to the work, as well as helping people who lived on the plantation, as well as assisting them in other physical ways. In other words, Washington was a doer. He believed that his actions spoke louder than his words. He was not a great public speaker, but he was good at doing and showing by command. and uh, Not just saying things should be done, but actually participating in doing this. And when people challenged him to see if he could lift things, uh, Washington definitely had heavy strength and was able to lift many, many heavy
heavy things. This is why I indicate that he did have a sort of superhuman type strength. Um, however, you know, he is just a normal human being. He just happened to be very buff. All right. Next, we're going to go explain why he suffered physical ailments. So, yes, Washington was, like I said, a you know, very in, in shape, healthy person, but he often suffered from diseases that were rampant at the time. Malaria, smallpox, just to name a few, gravely, you know, like I said, impacted his life. In fact, his, many of his brothers also and father died of infectious diseases as well. Favorite uh, children he had, um, you know, favorite slaves, different people of that sort often died of infectious diseases as it was a time in American history when medicine was not good. However you want to see it, the, the diseases, of, diseases of the day did impact George Washington and his family. Number 12. George Washington was heavy into debt because of all of his, his and his wife's spending. He relied on farming and fishing as a source of income. So Washington tried to keep up with his neighbor, a.k.a. Great Britain, and would always order the latest fashions. Uh, and, you know, He needed to have the latest clothing, the latest jewelry for his wife. And oftentimes, this would put him into an insurmountable form of debt. And although he had a lot of land, uh, tobacco farms, as well as his fishing, could not make up the sources of income he needed to produce this. Um, of course, eventually, as we shall see soon, the Great Britain imposed taxes on you know, things such as tobacco, fish, stamps. Pretty much anything they could say that needed to be taxed was taxed. And as a result of this, people such as Washington, who are already in an insurmountable form of debt, got even further behind. And it was because of this that eventually would lead to them uh, breaking their promises with Great Britain. Okay, number 13. When talk of independence began, George Washington was convinced of a more peaceful solution than violence. However, events such as the Boston Massacre changed his mind, as well as many others. So, we have a lot to unpack here. Washington, like I said, is a, a person of the military. He's considered a loyal subject to the British Empire. However, he survived a few scandals... But more importantly, what's happening at this time in the early stages of the American Revolution is that the British are making some key blunders here. One of them is the Boston Massacre, which they fire upon innocent citizens or colonial subjects because of their protests against the Stamp Act as well as other acts that are, how do I say, unfairly taxing the American people and subjects. When people such as Washington start to hear this, they begin to realize that the king is not listening to his subjects and that there needs to be a more direct way involved in speaking to him. Up until this time, all things, all messages, all diplomatic missions, relays, however you want to say it, took a lot of time. They had to go over on a boat across the Atlantic to Great Britain, meet the king of England, talk to them, and see if they would allow or disallow whatever they wanted. This wasn't exactly a good system, and oftentimes, rules that would go into effect would take a very many years to be reversed. So, with that in mind, uh, Washington initially held out hope that the colonies could be peacefully resolved, either an independent place, or maybe still part of the empire, but subject to their own laws and government and regulations, similar to how we see Canada today. However, Great Britain did not want this. And 
this is part of the reason why the United States and people such as George Washington began to change. They began to realize their only hope of leading the lives they would want to live was by violence and independence. All right. So we're going to go to number 14. Number 14. George Washington was not a super religious person. During his fame, he was not someone who went to church often. He would pray often in private, and he was extremely tolerant of other peoples and religions. We know Washington had other involvement in other religions because of his sick daughter, um, or stepdaughter, I should say, who had epilepsy. As a result of this, Washington contacted anyone who he thought would be able to help him, including Jewish people, people of different backgrounds and descents. But Washington is considered very tolerant, as he often would communicate and work with other groups of people later on in the Revolution. But the first and foremost thing is that Washington was exposed to different cultures and backgrounds. Um, It is believed that Washington was a Mason, and that he took a particular non-religious view when going into office, just so the rest of the world could see that the United States was not going to enforce any one particular religion on its people. If Washington had converted to Christianity, a good many people probably would have converted to Christianity too. Even though Washington was already considered a Christian, what I'm saying is is that if Washington was seen to be very religious, it would have had a big profound impact on the United States. But in particular, Washington made the effort to not be seen as religious. Although he was a religious person, he made the effort to not be seen in many public places that were religious, just so that the United States could say, and eventually maybe it was a personal choice, that he is not forcing that one particular type of religion on anyone. Okay. Number 15. Washington had an extremely strained relationship with his mother. She was often worried about him losing him, but this only made him more rebellious. Part of the reason why Washington is the way he is is because he had to react to his mother who was controlling him. You see, as I mentioned earlier, Washington's family died very young. And as a result, George's mother often worried sick that George was going to be killed by something, anything. You know, he went into war, he did other sorts of military actions, there were diseases. Uh, In other words, George Washington's mother had a very profound impact on him. And when he was younger, this led to him being more rebellious, only going on more adventures. You could argue that this is what led to the foundation and experience of him in the military. George probably would not have joined the military if it wasn't for his mother saying, don't join the military. He decided to join it anyway, and an entire military career was born. Okay, number 16. George Washington never visited England in his lifetime. One of the very key points that I thought was unusual about the early part of the story is that Washington was not born in England, and nor did he ever visit it in his lifetime. Something I find very amusing and strange, and I would have thought that after he became president of the United States, he would have eventually gone over to England. He had confessed to many friends and family members that he had wished to go see England, but he just never went. And as a result, he never did get to see what his initial home country looked like. Okay. Number 17. Washington was extremely close to a few notable people that would often keep his personal circle small. Loose lips sink ships. Washington is 
among many, can be considered a stoic, quiet, natural, resourced person. He's not someone who talks a lot, like other presidents later on, of course. But Washington and what made him unusual was that his connections were to many famous people. Maybe at the time it was not considered that way, but people such as Benjamin Franklin, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Madison, Adams, you know, many of the more famous historical figures and future presidents were friends with Washington and had relationships with him. Uh, but Washington liked to keep his distance and often only confided to a few close people. More often than not, his wife Martha was the one person he could rely on always to have a clear conversation with, which is probably why they got along so well. Uh, but as a result, Washington had very few friends who he could talk to, but what those he could talk to, he often did. All right, number 18. George and his wife Martha owned Mount Vernon Estate, but it was built upon many years later. One fun fact, as I mentioned, is that through Washington's estate, he eventually inherited Mount Vernon. When this was happening, Washington had to build upon it and was sort of the architect for this estate. But it would take many, many years of restoration to get it to its you know, current state of glory. So as a result of this, Washington and his wife Martha put an insane amount of effort into building this place. And it eventually did get there. But, you know, it was partly worked on in his lifetime and eventually later. Um, this is just considered one of the many tributes and monuments to Washington now. But it was something that he started and that maybe other people worked on later. All right, number 19. George Washington did not have good dental history. It would not show his teeth in portraits. Of course, many people know this already, but George Washington had, of course, wooden teeth eventually because he was embarrassed of his dental state. Again, 17th century or 18th century, uh, you know, 1700s rather time period was not good for dental history. And as a result, many people were afraid of showing their teeth. Washington was one of those people who feared that he would look ugly or he would undermine what he was trying to say if he had just shown his smile each time. So as a result, in many portraits, you'll find Washington just uh, having a smirk or a smile that is, uh, you know, tight-lipped. Okay, number 20. The French wanted the Americans to succeed in, of course, their proxy wars, and they loaned money during the American Revolution uh, to the Americans when the USA, unfortunately, did not pay them back. This eventually ended up causing the French Revolution. One thing about France and the United States is that they also have a very complicated history. Uh, primarily, France at the time was a monarchy, similar to Great Britain, and when they loaned a lot of money to the United States to fund their wars, eventually the United States was supposed to pay that money back. However, the United States did not pay this money back after they became a country, and as a result, uh, there was a lot of economic woes that the French monarchy suffered. And it was one of the contributing factors to, of course, the French having their own revolution and causing the end of their monarchy. Uh, something that I think is unusual is that the French just sort of let it happen. You know, like they did, they expected that their American subjects or eventually newly founded United States would just pay them back all the millions of dollars that they just loaned them. And you would think that the Americans would give some money back to them, but I guess they didn't do this. Or if they did, they did it so slowly that 
It caused a great upheaval in French society that caused one of the, or was one of the main factors of the French Revolution. Um, as you may know already, the French Revolution led to the death of King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. All right, 21. George Washington's animosity towards the English was heightened after George III became king. In order to pay for war, George imposed the heavy taxes on the colonies. Things from all walks of life, such as tobacco, tea, stamps, were taxed. As I mentioned earlier, heavy taxes are one of the main reasons why the Americans eventually went into a revolution and became the United States of America. But why did England want to tax them so much? Well, the simple answer is that being in a war is expensive, and England needed to tax uh, something in order to fight against the French. As I said, both France and England were both in a ruinous state of escalating conflict, which was causing them to spend all their money on war rather than where it needed to go in their economies. With England's case, they, uh, of course, taxed things that were of everyday use to the Americans, which eventually is what caused Americans to be outraged enough to go to war. Um, but many people don't realize that this really change happened when George III became king of England. After his father died and the title was passed to him, George III was the one that Washington would lead the American Revolution under. You could say that George III is the reason why the Americans separated from Great Britain, but really it comes down to George III passed a bunch of laws that said, we're going to tax the heck out of American colonies, and the United States responded by going into the American Revolution. All right, that is all. That is just the beginning first few chapters of the story. Hopefully that's some good background for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me, of course, at scottbernstein16 at yahoo.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.